taking us a few Sundays to get through this. Of course, we had an interruption, but uh, uh, that wasn't necessarily a bad interruption. Um, but uh, we're going to try to finish this one up tonight, or this morning. Is it today or tomorrow? Uh, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and our message is, We Shall Be Changed. Can I hear an amen? Amen. <laughs> yeah. We, we need that change, don't we? Especially us uh, people that are getting on in years. We need uh, new bodies. We talked about new bodies last week. And uh, so uh, today we're going to continue on in verse 50 through the end of the chapter. And uh, uh, we notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's a wonderful chapter. It uh, opens with a very clear statement of what the saving gospel is all about in verse 3 and 4. And from there, the verses seem to just uh, crescendo together with the words of a, like a great anthem. And over and over, Paul is sounding the great refrain, Jesus Christ is risen indeed. Uh, the saints are reminded that because Jesus lives, they shall live also. Uh, they're reminded that even if death were to take these mortal bodies, we will live in a new body, in a new place called heaven. And it's a great truth. And that's what Paul is trying to say to in these verses. Because Jesus lives, we can have a better life now. Uh, because Jesus lives, we can have an everlasting life someday. Uh, because Jesus lives, we can have the hope of seeing our departed loved ones again. Uh, because Jesus lives, we hope in the hour of our death. Uh, because Jesus lives, we'll enjoy victory on our deathbeds and glory over the cemetery. Now, but most of what is uh, of that is somewhere out there in the future. What we need is hope for today, and Paul has that hope in the words in our text this morning. Uh, he tells us that Christianity is more than just waiting to die to get something better or to go somewhere better. He wants us to know that believing on Jesus puts us in a position to receive some precious consolation right now. I want to take just a few minutes this morning uh, to look at these verses. I want us to know that there is hope for the future and there is hope for us today as well. In verse 51, Paul says, and we shall be all be changed. And I'd like to kind of just take that as our, our title today. We shall be changed. Now notice the first thing about we shall be changed. Uh, there's a word of enlightenment. A word of enlightenment. Paul has described the difference between these mortal bodies and the resurrection body as uh, that the saints will wear in heaven someday. Uh, he's been talking about things that most people knew. But now he is going to introduce something new, at least to those he was, who were uh, seeing this or hearing this for the first time. He's about to unveil what we call a mystery. And that word mystery refers to secret counsels or hidden things of God. And what Paul is about to teach the church, the at church at Corinth, is something that was unknown until the Lord revealed it to Paul. And so this was a hidden thing that was used by the Lord to teach some enlightening truth. And we're going to look at verses 50 to 53 to begin with. 
Look at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But hold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump, trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised and incorruptible, and we shall, uh, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So first of all, there is a word of enlightenment concerning our problem. Concerning our problem. And that's the emphasis here in verse 50 and verse 53. Uh, simply, we cannot go to heaven like we are. Uh, these bodies are defiled by sin. They cannot enter into heaven. These bodies are mortal and are not designed to exist for eternity in the heavenly realm. If we're going to live there, these bodies must be changed. And that's what Paul is talking about in the preceding verses, which we looked at in verses 35 through 49. We're told that the saints can expect to inherit a new body in the resurrection. When they die in Jesus, they will be raised from the dead in a body like his. So that's our dilemma. We get a new body, and to be free from this decaying, dying, defiled body, we must die. Therefore, death becomes a door of hope for those who know the Lord, and it allows the spirit to be free from the prison of this body to await the day when the body is resurrected from the grave and changed into the image of Jesus. Amen. We cannot go like we are. There must be a change. And this is the enlightenment that he's giving here. First of all, concerning our problem. Secondly, concerning his promise. His promise. Again, in verse 51 and 52, he talks about a mystery. This is where the mystery comes in. Paul reveals the truth that some of the Lord's children will not have to pass through the door of death, but they will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Paul is speaking of an event that has come to be known as the rapture. He goes into more detail in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verses 16 and onward. When the moment comes, Jesus will come in the clouds above the earth and he will call his redeemed people home to be with him. The dead will rise and receive their resurrection bodies. The living saints will be instantly changed and all will go up together to meet the Lord in the clouds. Now, the great truth was a mystery in the Old Testament and was revealed to saints in the New Testament. Let's just take a minute here to examine these verses that teach us about this blessed event. First of all, it's going to be a sudden event. It will be a sudden event. The word moment comes from the word which gives us the word Adam. It refers, I, it's not Adam like the first man, it's Adam, A-T-O-M, okay? Make sure you understand that. It refers to something that is indivisible. It speaks of the smallest amount of time imaginable. The word twinkling has, was used to refer to the flap of a wing or the buzz of a gnat or the twinkling of a star. Scientists have estimated that the blink of an eye takes about one-thirtieth of a second. Now, a twinkle on the eye takes one 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 ten thousandth of a second. In other words, when Jesus comes, 
It's going to come suddenly. When he comes, it will be, he, we will, he will instantly raise the dead, instantly change the living, and it will not be a process. It's not going to be, it's going to, I mean, I mean, faster than that. It's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. It'll happen so fast, it'll be over before we even understand it. It's begun. He will come for his people, and he will come unannounced. Now, his people will be here one moment, and the next they'll be gone. It makes no difference whether they're dead in the grave or they're alive on the earth. All of God's saved people will be taken up suddenly. And that's why Jesus said, Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. It'll be sudden. Secondly, it'll be selective. It will be a selective event. Now, I want you to notice here the words, we and all. To whom do those words refer? The answer is in verse 50. Paul is speaking to the brethren. He said, now I say, brethren, uh, when Jesus comes, he's not coming for everyone. He's only coming for those who have placed their faith in the Jesus Christ for their soul's salvation. And on those, uh, those who are saved, only those who were saved will go. Not those who have been baptized, not those who have joined the church, not those who have prayed a prayer, not those who have been good neighbors. Jesus is only coming for those who have been born again. And if that does not describe you this morning, I suggest you need to make your preparations for his return. You need to be saved. You need to get right and plan not to be left behind. You see, it is selective. Thirdly, it will be a solemn event. Those who are left behind in the rapture will not even realize what has happened. They will remain in their lost condition eventually to go to hell without Jesus. Now, I don't know if you ever read the Left Behind books. Uh, and you, there, and there's even movies that have been made. And they kind of had some, can, could have some impact, but... You are led to believe that if you reject Jesus now, you'll have another chance to get saved after the rapture. I don't believe that's true. That's not what the Bible teaches. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11 doesn't uh, line up with that. There will be many saved after the rapture. We've talked about that in the book of Revelation, our study of Revelation, but only those who've never heard the gospel before. Uh, now, I believe that's controversial, but even there will be some people saved after the rapture, um, and if you've rejected the gospel before, I don't believe you'll have a second chance. So, behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6.2. But if you're left, you're going to enter in the great tribulation. And if you want to know what that's like, you have to come on Sunday afternoon, and we talk about it on Sunday afternoon when we go through the book of Revelation. But you'll experience hell on earth, and then you'll die, and you'll go to hell for eternity. It does not thrill me to tell you that, but it's the truth. And if you have never trusted Jesus, you need to do that today so that you can be ready when he returns. It will be solemn. It will be a sad event. You say, why will it be sad? Well, families will be broken. There will be some who are saved and some who are not in the family, husbands, uh, there'll be some husbands saved and some wives will be lost or vice versa, and they'll be parted. 
Uh, parents and children will uh, see one another no more. Friends will spend eternity apart from each other. I think the saddest of all is the fact that it did not have to end that way. Those who are lost today can be saved and can go to heaven if they only come to Jesus. You see, it's going to be a sad event. And then it's going to be a satisfying event. Paul says, The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Think about that. Cancer, heart disease, old age, dozens of other diseases. You're saying, preacher, is old age a disease? Well, some of us kind of begin to feel that way. But all these things that are claiming loved ones, all the way for, since time began, God says there's coming a day when those who died in the faith shall be raised incorruptible. That is, they may have died of cancer, but they're going to be raised with a body that's cancer-free. They may have died of old age, but they'll be getting up uh, in a body that cannot age. Uh, they uh, may have died of heart disease, but they're going to rise in a body that will have no disease and will be death-proof. Now, we all have loved ones uh, who are gone. We have some loved ones who are not gone. But Jesus is going to bring back those who are gone and glorify their bodies if they trusted Christ as their Savior, and you will see them again someday. And then Paul says, we shall be changed. Uh, the word change uh, means to cause one thing to cease and another thing to take its place. The old life and this old body are going to be uh, changed instantly. Now, one minute we will be here, and I don't even know if we should say the word minute or not. We should say one twinkle. We're going to be here, and then we're going to be there. One minute we'll be uh, in these vile, sinful, dying bodies, and the next we're going to be just like Jesus. Verse 53 says we're going to put on a new body and a new life. The words put on refers to like putting on clothing. One of these days our redeemed spirits will dress up in a redeemed body. I think, you know, some of us parents would have liked our children to put on their clothes in a twinkle of an eye. But no, they kind of dawdled and, you know, yeah, I'm getting ready, Dad. I'm getting ready, Mom. Well, on that day, we're going to put on these new bodies, and it's going to be just like that. The last sound this earth, these earthly ears will ever hear will be the sound of his trumpet calling us to meet him. You know what I say about that? Hallelujah! Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You see, I can't go like I am, so he's going to have to make me like I ought to be. There's a word of enlightenment. But secondly, there's a word of excitement. A word of excitement. Uh, these next few verses are literally brimming over with excitement. As Paul talks about the blessed hope of the believer, he expresses excitement in two areas. First of all, over our victory. Verse 54. It says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Paul mentions four great enemies uh, 
to uh, bring about this excitement. Uh, he talks about the blessed hope, and he, he is saying there are four things that are against us. Number one is death. Death is pictured as a fearful monster that has a horrible stinger. Uh, it is uh, inflicting its pain countless times since man began to die thousands of years ago. Uh, we don't like to think about it. But you know, death is stalking each one of us. And one day its stinger will find its mark and will leave us here. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Now, it's one thing to die, but it's another thing to die in sin. The Bible says the sting of death is sin. One day when death comes, the lost person, they're going to feel the sting of a lifetime of sin and then drop into the horror of eternity in hell. In Jesus, death will be defeated. Secondly, the grave. Now, again, we don't like to think about graves. How horrible is the grave of our mortal minds? Uh, we follow the body of a loved one to that cemetery. We place the casket in the, in the ground, and then we turn and we walk away brokenhearted and empty. There's an empty place, a vacuum in our life because of a loved one that's gone. You see, the grave is cruel, but in Jesus, the grave has no power. Amen. Thirdly, there's sin. Another enemy, sin defiles us. It devastates our lives. It dooms us to hell. Sin separates us from the Lord. It destroys homes. It destroys hearts and hopes. It is a vile thing that tarnishes every relationship we have and corrupts every part of our lives. It's a horrible, cruel enemy. But in Jesus, sin is defeated. And then there's the law. The law is what shows us that we are sinners. It is that which gives us or gives sin a rightful claim of death upon us. The law was intended by God to reveal to man that he is a sinner. It is the law that reveals our true nature. The law is not sinful, but the law shows us that we are sinners. Listen to what Paul does when he gets to verse 55. Let's read that again. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? I can almost hear him shouting it. To those in Jesus, there is no sting of death. There is no victory for the grave. There is no power of sin. There is no condemnation in the law. There is only excitement over the victory. But then over the victor, our victor. Verse 57 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the source of our victory. It's not in us, but it's in Jesus. And when he came to this world, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. He defeated every enemy for us. Now, those who are in Jesus are free from the sting of death, the victory of the grave, the strength of sin, the condemnation of the law. Why? I'm glad you asked. Number one, Jesus defeated death and the grave. When the Lamb of God entered death on the cross and rose again three days later, he forever rendered death ineffective in the lives of his children. And now there is no sting, just a passing from this world to that. Jesus Christ took the full penalty of the sting of death in himself. One little boy crawled up into his mama's lap one hot summer day and 
just sitting there loving mama and mama loving him. And then the little fellow became afraid and the little fellow pulled over to his mother and said, mother, or his mother said, what's the matter, son? Little boy said, oh, mama, look at that bumblebee. Look at that bumblebee buzzing all around me. Mama, mama, I'm afraid of that bumblebee. She said, oh, son, you don't have to be afraid of that bumblebee. Well, mama, that bumblebee will sting me. No, 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 son. The bumblebee won't sting you. You don't have to be afraid. Why don't I, mama? The mama reached out her hand. She showed the little boy her hand, and in her hand she had pulled the stinger out of that bumblebee. Son, you don't have to be afraid of that bumblebee. That bumblebee has already stung your mama, and it can't sting you. I've got the stinger. You see, praise the Lord, when the time comes to, make, uh, to come to death, we don't have to fear death. You don't have to listen to the lies of the devil. You, don't, you can rest in the promise of the Lord. He has stripped both the devil and the grave of their power. And so the sting has been taken care of. See, Jesus defeated death and the grave. Secondly, Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus came into this world and perfectly kept the law. No one in the universe from heaven above to hell beneath has ever pointed to an accusing finger at him. He fulfilled the law and now for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every everyone that believeth. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Now because of that, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 8, 1. Glory to God. That's something to get excited about. Jesus fulfilled the law. And then Jesus destroyed sin. Through his death on the cross, Jesus eliminated the power of sin. He delivered all those who receive him from the sin's power and sets them free. Jesus defeated all of our enemies when he died and rose again. And now all those who trust Jesus for salvation are eternally free. Again, that's something to get excited about. So there is a word of enlightenment. There is a word of excitement. And then thirdly, a word of encouragement. We come to verse uh, 57 and it's, or 58 and it says, Therefore, now, therefore, because of all these things he's already said, he says, My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul closes his thoughts here in this chapter by issuing a challenge to all believers. In light of our victory in Jesus, and in light of the fact that we're going to be leaving here someday, there are some things that the Lord would have us to do. Notice, he encourages us in three ways. First of all, to be firm. We are called upon to make up our minds to take a stand for the Lord. We're to be steadfast. The word means to sit or to be sedentary or settled. It carries the idea of dead weight or hard to budge. We are to be unmovable. The word speaks of something that is, cannot be moved from its place. And that's what we are to be. We are to take our stand for Jesus, live our lives for him, and refuse to move. 
We have a purpose. We have something to live for. We have a reason to take a stand, and we're encouraged to do so. Secondly, we are to be fruitful. We are to abound in his work. How can we do that? Well, we can do that by learning two valuable lessons. First, we need to learn that it is his work, not ours. It's not our duty to make it go, to try and guarantee success. It's his work, and he will see to it. Secondly, if we are to abound in his work, then we are to learn to let him live through us. This means that we must die to self, we must learn to abide in Jesus so that life can flow, his life can flow through us, and that as we yield to him, he will live through us and he will be glorified and his work will be done. And then, be faithful. Paul says that life lived for Jesus is a life worth living. In the end, your faith in Christ will be vindicated. Your faith uh, will be validated. There will be a resurrection day, a reunion day, and a reward day. They'll all come to all of, they will come to all of God's people. And so we need to stay true to Him and be faithful. The life, this life pays off now, but it has big dividends in the end. You might even say we have a retirement package that's out of this world. I heard a young preacher, about a young preacher, who was going to visit uh, a, an old dying saint. And he went to comfort her, and as they were talking, she said to him, Pastor, I'm not going to die. He smiled and said, Oh, you've trusted in the Lord, and he has given you comfort in your time of death. She says, Oh, no, Pastor, I do not expect to die. Well, he thought in her dying condition about that her mind must be wandering a little bit. And he said, well, then what makes you exempt from death? He said, oh, I died a long time ago. Well, he knew by then that she was surely insane. So he said, well, sister, what do you mean? He said, oh, I died 2,000 years ago when Jesus died. And when he was crucified, I was crucified. And when he rose again, I rose again. Death is far behind me. A glorious future awaits me. I'm not going to die. And I want you to know this morning, that's the good news of the gospel for you and me today. It's the good news that victory that Jesus won on the cross through the tomb and above the clouds is available for everyone within the sound of my voice. I don't know about you, but I like what I read here in 1 Corinthians 15. I like it. I praise God that there's coming a changing day. I'm ready for that day. I hope you are as well. And if you're not, then you need to come and call upon the Lord today. And you come and be saved. Uh, you, uh, You know, if there are needs in your heart this morning, you need to be ready for that day when Jesus comes. He's given us a great victory, and that's going to be a great time when he does. Let's pray.